friends. I hope you are all enjoying this very spooky season. Um, I have put together here a compilation of a few ghost stories. So if you think you can handle it, then you can keep listening. But do consider whether you can handle it. You're responsible for your journey. Some of this stuff, I've got to be honest, is kind of creepy. It's actually pretty creepy. But I love ghost stories. Um, I, I always have. And if you find me at a gathering and, um, and you give me enough time, I will eventually ask you if you have a ghost story. Um, I, I just love... I love paranormal um, things, and I love the confirmation that ghost stories um, have that there is more going on than meets the eye. Um, And so I've had a few conversations with uh, friends who have been willing to share their experiences. And for some of the creepier ones... You know, I I think it's it's really valuable to have stories out there where it's not all because there's a there you know there's a really beautiful um, story in here too that was very loving, um, and then there's the other side of that. There's the other pendulum swing of that, and there is value because so many people do experience things that are. Um, not benevolent. And so it's, it can be helpful to hear some of that just to know like that one, you know, if if something like this is happening to you, it's okay. There are other people who have come through these things. Um, Because sometimes like when I'm talking to Lily, you know, one of the points she makes is that she thought she might be going crazy and luckily, there were other people who were seeing uh, the same thing or could hear it. And um, so, who wants to feel alone? You know, we want to we want to know that there are others who have been through similar things before. So, anyway, um, I hope you enjoy these, and I wish you a very happy and a very spooky Halloween. Hello, Jesse. Hi. I'm here with Jesse Schmidt, my friend, and uh, I can't wait to hear your ghost story. I think you've got maybe more than one for us, but let's start with the first one. <laughs> okay. So um, you have to understand the background of it is um, there was a lot of darkness in my childhood, and from that darkness, there was a lot of entities. And I didn't know what they were called at the time, obviously. Um, But since I was a very little girl, I would always see things everywhere in our house. It always felt super crowded, Um, Mm -hmm. almost like, um, you know, when you're walking in a big, you know, crowded street and you just you feel things around your shoulder and, you know, you're like people are pushing against you. Well, these weren't people. And you could feel I, them and see them? I could feel them and I could see them. Sometimes they would be more heightened and sometimes it wouldn't, it, it, sometimes it would just be a, like a whiff of air. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I remember even as a little girl, like I, I thought it was real. I thought they were real and I just didn't, but I, you know, it's almost like you can't separate what you physically see as, you know, this is the reality of our 3D, you know, life. Mm-hmm. When you, when you feel, uh, you know, something on your shoulder against you, I mean, that's also very real. Um, there is a lot of um, beings always <clears throat> that I remember being in contact with or seeing. And uh, the story that really impacted me very strongly was actually um, before we, um, we left Ecuador. Um, and we lived in this, um, this, this apartment, it was a, the top floor apartment in, in Quito, Ecuador. And I remember this night because I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep. And for some reason, I actually remember very clearly I was in my bedroom and normally I, I, I wouldn't sleep in my bedroom. I was very thirsty. I was, there was this cold feeling and I was shivering and I remember like feeling cold and, um, but like not wanting to get out because I felt cold. And at the same time, I was so thirsty and I, but I was very scared. And I remember feeling scared this night. And so I got up and I, for some reason, I felt like I needed to look out my, uh, my door (laughs) down the hallway to see if it was clear. I just felt the fear and just like something is going to happen. Like if I do, if I went to get water, I just felt this trepidation. (laughs) so looked down the hallway and what I saw was literally these shadow beings (laughs) um and the shadow beings were on like they were like by the dining room table and it was a an exact they were basically like a replica of like an image of my father, an image of my mother, an image of a little, like a girl, me, and then my little brother. And they were sitting, the, my mother, uh, the, the mother was sitting on, on the table and I was by my, my, like I was me, the replica of me, because I, I knew innately without understanding, but this was a mimicry or mimic cry of, of my family. But it was, it was mocking it was there was this mocking energy to it and i because we weren't a happy family we didn't really sit down to have these dinners and um my my father was very ruthless there was no gentleness to him and yet in this mockery because and i just remember they had they had eyes the shadow beings had eyes and they were red uh like um you know when you see like the buddha statues they're like long Mm -hmm. eyes um Mm -hmm. slanted a little bit but they were just very red and they were big for the face but i i knew this father figure and then i knew this this daughter figure were supposed to be us and they were at the dining room table and he the father figure placed his hand on the daughter's shoulder. And when I looked, it was almost like they were having this conversation together. Like it was almost like I was non-existent in, in that reality. And I must have made a noise or something. Yet I, yet for the life of me, I knew they were aware of me. It's like this very disturbing, like I was aware of them. They were aware of me and I 
I knew they were aware of me, but they were ignoring me. And then I made a noise and they all looked at me. And, and I just remember feeling this feeling of complete, like I was just paralyzed because I didn't know what to do. And the, the mockery, like, I just remember it was almost like you were, it was like making fun of the life that, that, that we lived because you know, it was very dysfunctional, very traumatic. And yet these beings were there and it was, the energy was not nice, benevolent, or like I've seen nice ghosts before, just ghosts. And they, there, there was just kind of just like walking down a crowded street. They, they don't care. Some, some of them want to look, but they don't, you know, they, there's a different energy to that versus this, which was very malevolent, very in, in my face, like, mm. look what you don't get to have type of energy. So I remember seeing these shadow beings and just feeling that paralyzing feeling and I'm by my door and all I wanted was just some water. <laughs> That's all mm. I wanted. I just wanted to, but, you know, to get to the kitchen, yeah, I, ha- I had to walk past them and there was no way that I was going to go anywhere near them. So I went back to bed and um, <laughs> even like my, my, like my whole body is in chills just because it still affects me to, to the, you know, until this day um, because of just how scared I was that they were going to come find me, these shadow being energies. And um, what was very interesting is specifically this night, it was almost like something had woken up and I can, the only way I can explain it now is that it was as though like the portal had been opened or something from a different mm-hmm. space. Because then I remember hearing, so I, I basically laid in bed and I was shaking and I was scared. And of course, like people, <laughs> you're a little, you think if you put the covers over your head, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the force maybe. field comes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like maybe you're going to be protected. Um, yeah. But, um, these energies and I could feel were, were so very real. And then I remember hearing and like this, it's like, like a, like a train, like, you know, like when you're by a train, remember hearing just this noise of a train and it was so loud and it was like coming and coming and coming. And the, the, the sound of the, you know, like the, the horn, uh-huh. like, right. Like, like the whistle is, like hearing it coming closer and closer and it wasn't slowing down and I was just thinking is this my imagination is this because I understood imagination but I saw these things as well and I could hear and 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 I could feel like my room was shaking oh my gosh and then I like it was and then (laughs) I could hear drawers in the kitchen so, you know, when you get those utensils in drawers and you uh-huh. hear them. I mean, literally, this was like the night of horrors. Anyway, so this night, I could hear the utensils. So it's like, of course, I wasn't going to go to the kitchen. And then the craziest part was hearing like a huge boulder. Like, um, it was literally like a rolling boulder rock, like, like, Rumbling like when you, you know, and... rumbling, like, well, it's almost like it was like, I could hear it slowly. If I could describe it the way, and I saw it because I saw it 
cross in front of our, my my bedroom door because it was open. It was just a rock. It was this dark boulder. It was huge. Oh, no. It was so big that it, it like the door frame was covered. So it like was huge. So from a physical standpoint, I couldn't comprehend it how it could even be in my house apartment yeah. building. But from from what I had seen and what I had been feeling and just the whole shaking of things in the house and I heard this boulder like coming down, but it was physically when I saw it, it was going very slow. So the sounds of what I was hearing were not matching with what I was seeing. Hmm. I didn't see the train, but I heard it. Um, and felt it. And see and felt it. And I saw this boulder but it, the sound wasn't matching what I was seeing of how slow it was going. I just remember this till today of just how paralyzed I was in fear and how it was just incomprehensible Yeah, because things just didn't make sense. Um, up to that point when I had seen things, you know, kind of that feeling of being crowded in the energy of the house. Up to that point, um, things didn't feel so malevolent. I knew some energies, or and now I call them energies, I knew some of them weren't nice at all. I knew, I knew that. And I had seen some shadow figures before, but none, it, it's almost like the shadow figures I knew weren't there, they were not there for me. Okay. The shadow figures were there and I was aware of them, but they, they weren't there for me. On this night, when I saw those figures at that dining room table and they looked at me directly, like, I don't remember um, what happened, you know, later, whether I fell asleep or not. I'm sure I probably didn't. Um, I was just so scared. Um, oh, I can imagine that's, yeah. I mean, because I remember being little and just being afraid just with my own imagination, with nothing actually going on, but just the possibilities of what could happen. <laughs> what is? So I can't imagine like being nine and seeing that and feeling it and hearing it and having no idea what's going on. And then also, it's not even something that you've had previous experience with as far as like the like understanding that these are like shadows and they're but they're like aware of me and I mean it's like so incomprehensible and and then as a grown-up <laughs> but then to be a child and right. so helpless you know I can't imagine that was one of the last times I actually saw with my physical eyes beings I see things with my inner eye but that was I that was very physical um thank you for <laughs> sharing that that's um that's really intense well before we started yeah. recording you were talking about an experience that your son had that he shared yes. do you want to share a His, little bit about that yes yeah, so my oldest son he was three and a half years old and um, all my children have seen things. And anyways, um, my oldest son, he was about three and a half years old. And uh, no, he was three years old because it was 
on his birthday. His birthday's in February and I had made him strawberry cupcakes. And um, I was like, how was your night? Like I heard him talking the night before, right before he went to sleep. I was like, I heard you talking like, you know, like what was going on? And, and he's like, oh, I was talking to friends. And I was like, okay, like who are your friends? And he goes, friends. <laughs> I go, well, were these friends girls or were they boys or was it a boy and a girl or were there many? And he goes, um, and he said it was, it was girls. And I said, well, did you, did you get their names? He said, one of their names was Orla and the other name was Ashla. Now, nobody, my, my husband, my son, I mean, he's, you know, three years old and he, could communicate very well. Um, he didn't know that my grandmother, my my grandmother on the uh, my father's side, she's and he's Israeli. Um, in Israel, her name was Orla. And there, like when when he said that, I um, you know, of course, everything in my body was like, you know, like chills and yeah, like what, like did you say Orla? And I just remember feeling, you know, that almost like a sinking feeling like, Oh my God, like, is this a good thing? Because for me at the time when it came to energies outside of what I saw internally, I questioned, especially Mm -hmm. after my childhood. And so I was like, Oh my God, okay, this is good. And I could, I was tuning into it. It's like, okay, yeah, no, they were good. It's okay. It's okay. Like they were here to harm my child. Um, But yeah, Orla and Ashla, to this day, what my oldest son says is that Ashla was a a sister and she stuck around with him for many years. Was his sister Um, or Orla's sister? His sister. So I, when I, I don't, I haven't really like tuned into it fully to like, you know, like, was it a past life? Was it a different space, different dimension, different, you know, it, it, either way, she would change her hair color, um, pink, purple, sometimes it would be bright blue. He would tell us, oh, she changed her hair again. And he talked about Ashla after seeing Orla and Ashla. He talked about Ashla the longest um, for the next year and a half. Wow. And she stuck around for a long time. Orla was just there. I, I honestly feel like it was my grandmother's spirit. And the way he talked about her was like she was young. So I don't think she looked old when he saw her because he called them girls. Um, and I never met her. I never met my grandmother. So anyways, the other really interesting story is that connected to Ashley, and this would be the last one, is that... Um, we, we went to New Mexico on this road trip and it was just the four of us. My daughter hadn't been born yet. Um, around like maybe like was about three and a half months or three, three and a half years old. And um, so we went to Santa Fe and, you know, Santa Fe has those missions, mission cathedrals and um, they're you know, very beautiful and, we went to go visit one of them and <laughs> there's no one in there. And there's, you know, very like, like 
some song was in the background, some like it's like an Ave Maria or some something was going on in the background, and we were walking around, just kind of looking at the frescoes around, you know, and, and mm-hmm. just just looking at things. And then my like my oldest son he grabs my hand and he looks up at me. So like Blake's like really insistent, and, and he looks at me and he goes, "Is this where my sister died?" So. He said it in a whisper and Ryan heard it. So it was like loud enough for him to hear because he and I looked at each other. And of course my husband's like, well, you don't have a sister. And <laughs> but I was like, you mean Ashla? And he goes, yeah. And so then we left, we went outside and, and I was like, Blake, like, did, you know, is this, is this really the place? And he was like, yeah, sort of like, like whatever you know it's kind of like this but no unless I'm like wait did she physically die in Santa Fe or yeah. this can't be like what's going on I don't know but wow. like what three and a half year old says like oh this is where my sister died you know right. like <laughs> yeah like oh my god did, so did he keep talking about Ashla for like years after that or was it kind of a it it went it, away as he got older after it went it, so she she left around seven years old around seven years old he started to um like Ashley just didn't come up sometimes he would say something about her but it wasn't you know as prevalent huh but Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing those stories. They're, it's really fascinating. Yeah. I appreciate it's it. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me on. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so here is uh, our next guest for this very spooky... Spooky special. Ghost story special. So... You probably know that voice by now. Yeah, yeah. Probably. So now we have Michael Massey, and Michael has a story for us about his ghostly encounter. Yes. All right, do tell. Okay. All right. This is this particular experience that I had um, or that happened would have been now let's see here about 1999 uh i just moved into a a new um apartment in irvine i was like irvine yeah orange county there and the oc and uh, i had been traveling around uh, quite a bit and stuff like that anyways i moved into this new apartment and um I found myself, I think I had sold all my furniture before, so I didn't have it. I had gotten a, a, a bed otherwise, um, and I had a few kitchen stuff, but I hadn't, um, um, yeah, I hadn't furnished my, uh, uh, my apartment yet. It was a two-bedroom apartment. And uh, so I came home, uh, and it was maybe about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I walked into my apartment, and uh, and encountered this strange sight. So, uh, and I had a night like a beige colored 
carpet, uh, light colored, and there were these footprints uh, that were like across the carpet. And now no one else had been in there ex except for me when I left in the morning or, you know, so I thought or whatever, right? And it was curious because I could see these and there were these, they were like dark footprints. Not not just like um, if you vacuum your rug and then there's... Like your footprints. There's like, yeah, depression footprints. No, it was a discoloration of these footprints. And I was looking at them and, and they were... Um, they had uh, the the footprints were like uh, of like a a woman's like a high heeled shoe. So there was like a little triangular uh, like ball of the foot point to the toe, and then a little space, and then a little whatever or like a square where, for the where the heel. heel where the heel was. Okay. And they came out of the extra or whatever you want to call it, the spare bedroom. They came out of that spare bedroom, and then right through the hallway, then across the living room, and then disappeared uh, into just a wall. This, like, went right up to uh, the, the wall, wall uh -huh. and then stopped. And, um, and I'm like, was that curious? So I looked to see where they came from in the other room, and they came out. They just started in the closet and just came out of that closet, and then across, and then into the, the uh, and then disappeared into the other wall. So basically, you were uh, the portal to Narnia. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. They, uh, you know, these like probably this day, you know, today I would have been like, huh, that's interesting. I'm gonna like hang out in that closet. I know, right? Like, be like where like, is the, the opening? opening right? Yeah, I would have been like shutting myself in that closet. I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah. All right. Let's. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's tune in. Let's see what we get. Oh, I would have totally been doing that this mm -hmm. day. Okay, this is this, but this is what. 22 years ago and um uh so i'm really like perplexed because it's like this is weird and the footprints were all very uniform okay, okay? like um i mean they were they were identical in their every one of them mm-hmm now, I was curious uh, on what was actually causing mm -hmm. the footprint. And so, I mean, I get, I'm down now. I get down on my hands and knees, and I'm, um, uh, you know, like... Really inspecting. Inspecting, exactly. Inspecting. And I'm like, okay, there's this discoloration, and I kind of poke it with my finger and I see a little kind of puff or whatever so I kind of pinched it and sure enough there was there was this dark green powder really fine like a like powdered sugar 
kind of, mm. or flour kind of, mm. f- that level of fineness, um, that that was what was making those footprints, mm. um, which uh, ultimately they just, they, they got vacuumed up, um, which now I'm like, of course, somebody... You was it you or somebody asked me recently because we're talking about ghost stories, is whether or not I I'd be like, hey, did you send any of that dust away to a lab? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. things. Okay, all right. So if I were to do this again, I would definitely collect. I would I would collect some of the 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 dust. dust. I would hang out like in, in the, the closet. closet. I would take. Freaking pictures. Yeah. I didn't even do that. Wow. And, um, but this happened, but I did call my sister and she came and checked it out. She saw them for herself as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and now this is, uh, this is, this is a story we're just talking, um, where, um, this is not just, uh, oh, some bumps or strange sounds in the night or something that I can't really verify or nor is it necessarily uh some kind of paranormal right um uh experience that i that was very subjective only me that was very subjective right that was kind of like in your mind's eye kind of thing thing, right Right. that only i could see Mm -hmm. those kinds of things happen also but this was a real Physical. physical yeah like ghost experience i i can't I don't know what other what other word you call that. Yeah. Except for it was like a ghost prince. Right. Well, did anything peculiar ever happen in that apartment after that, or was that the one kind of strange? Ah, it was like it was a. I think the apartment unit itself was. It wasn't that old. I, you know, maybe three years old or mm-hmm. something. Um, I'm not aware that that. I'm not aware of what might have happened there in before. Other, yeah, right. I'm not aware of what's happened since. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have another story that's not quite so tangible that falls a little bit into the, like, you experienced it, somebody else who was with you couldn't see it. Do you want to talk about that one? Uh, well, that goes back to... Um, yeah, childhood, mm-hmm. and uh, we had moved into this house. Um, this was again in Orange County. Uh, family had, and I was. Uh, we moved in there when I was about four years old, and I had lots of strange nightmares and stuff like this from about ages four to five years old. And um, they they were actually ramping up and escalating, and um, and so uh, one of the things is I would wake up in the middle of the night and I was seeing this this werewolf that was out, outside. So now I say werewolf, it's, well, pretty much just werewolf. It was a wolf, but stood on its, like, two legs. Mm-hmm. And it seemed tall to me, like seven feet tall or so. But, you know, at age four or five, you know. It, it's all relative. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it was just big. Yeah. And... um and it kept coming uh, night after night after night. And each night it kept getting closer and closer until it was actually coming through the wall to try and grab me out of my bed. 
And you said you were having a lot of nightmares at this time, but this was apart from This the wasn't a nightmare. This was, this I was, was... You were in I your... Was, you were awake. You were in your bed. Yep. Okay. And I could see it. And um, uh, I was... I could see a lot of... I was seeing other things, too. Um, but this was the one that was really terrifying me. And after um, it kept repeating and I kept running into my into my folks room Mm -hmm. and after um after a few times you know a few times that then my my mom was like okay you uh you know you need to stay in your own bed Mm -hmm. you know you can't just come running in here all the time but Mm um uh but the thing is is that that uh that last the the this this the time that really changed everything was um, I come back in. My mom says, "Okay, well, um, uh, let me take you out, or let me show you. There's nothing to." So she took you outside. So, no, she didn't take me outside. Okay, she, she walked back, back to my room, and I pointed out. You kind of like I could see it right there, and. Um, uh, and she says, uh, she was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, she took note of that. And then we went, um, then she took me into the kitchen to give me a glass of milk and a Tylenol or something in case mm-hmm. I was just like, I was, in case it was a fever related thing. And I described to her how it was following us from window to window around the house. Oh gosh, that's creepy. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and then the next day, what uh, she talked to my dad. And she's like, I, there, I don't know what. There's there's something that's going on here. And so they. So what was she seeing? She, she couldn't didn't see, see it. But what what she, intrigued her? That, that how how convinced, convinced you, were. you were, and okay. how detailed I was about okay. what I was seeing. Okay. Yeah, and that made her think it was like, okay, this isn't just something imagination imagination no and so um uh and so she uh went in uh the next day after talking with my dad and then just prayed in my room Mm -hmm. and then went through the rest of the house and prayed and it stopped oh really it stopped that night now um and it would be many years later we we lived in that house for another hmm, four or five years um, before my family we moved to Indiana and then we rented that house out okay okay so we still kept the house we just rented it out uh, the renters ended up drilling uh, a hole in the uh, in the garage floor to use as a safe and they were dealing drugs out of that house. Oh. And then we later found out <coughs> that there was, um, that before we even bought that house, that there was all kinds of dark, weird things going on, more drug dealings and stuff like that. And, and mm-hmm. so this, that property... Attracted... Somehow attracted... A lower... a, yeah. And so there was definitely so some kind, kind of a pull, some kind of something going on. Of course, now uh, I'd be like, oh, 
like, I'd be like, oh, I'd, I would, I'd love to just kind of go back there and, yeah, you know, and, and see, see what I, I, I feel or I don't know what the current state of that property is. But in that case, it was definitely, there was something. Pulling like a dark energy toward it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's fascinating. I'm fascinated by that because you could see it and your mom couldn't. And this reminds me of my own ghost story, which is not actually my ghost story. It's my daughter's. So we lived in Italy for a few years and we lived in this medieval apartment. So it actually, uh, we lived in the middle of a medieval city called Bologna and we lived in a palazzo, which is a, a palace. And that's just kind of what they call these old, well, they were originally palaces mm -hmm. and, um, and they break them up into apartments. So a lot of the people that a lot of people lived in, in their quote, like you can come to my palazzo, you know, but it's like, which sounds very, very fancy, right. but it's your apartment, you know, but it's in like an old palace, but, um, beautiful place. But I mean, it was, I can never remember the century that it was built, but sometime between like the, the one thousands and the 1300s, I can't, I can never, okay. could never keep the year straight, even though it was on a plaque outside of the building. But, um, anyway, so it had a lot oh, of history and we had a cellar within the um, house, so it always felt a little bit weird to go down into the cellar. Um, but I always just figured that was my, you know, just like, it just seemed creepy. Like, it seemed like the, the ideal place for, you know, creepy stuff. But apart from that, I never really experienced anything in particular. I know we had an Australian family who lived above us in the apartment above us. Um, and they moved out and before they were able to move back in, um, there was a period of time where there was nobody above us. And I could distinctly at that time hear footsteps when I was going to sleep at night, but the way the configuration, I couldn't figure out like why I know nobody's up there and our walls and our everything, they were massive. I mean, like stone kind of, yeah, like, like just. I, cement's not the right thing, but it was, it wasn't stone, but because it was like a mixture, but very thick, like, I, like the length of your arm as far as like how, how thick the walls were. So I was like, why can I hear footsteps above me like that? It just didn't make sense. But again, like the configuration of everything, I'm like, well, maybe it's actually like the apartment behind somehow goes over our I mean, I rationalized it away, but that kept happening for the weeks that that place was unoccupied. And I also never remembered hearing footsteps when they lived there. So it was just very weird. But anyway, apart from that, I never really had anything that I perceived. Um, but my daughter, um, one night, it was like in the winter when it gets dark early and she, we were in her bedroom and she needed to go into the family room to get something. And she, the lights were off. She went to grab this thing and she uh, ran back in and she, her eyes were like saucers and she was so scared. And she was like, mama, I just saw a man run in the back hallway. 
And the thing is, there was one way in and out of this apartment, which that always freaked me out because I'm like, if there's a fire, which everything, nothing was really flammable because it was all marble and stone, but, or not stone, but whatever, not, not wood. Um, but it always bothered me that there was only one way out because I'm like, you need more exits. (laughs) But anyway, there was nobody there. You know, I mean, I'm like, we would know if somebody had snuck in, Mm -hmm. there was no way to sneak in. But she was like, somebody was in the back hall. So I I went and looked, but I'm like, Layla, nobody, there was nobody there. It doesn't make sense. And I, I rationalized it to her that, um, you know, it, she wasn't used to the lights not being on. And if a car came into the little parking area, the lights would kind of sweep uh, across the room and then maybe it caught her shadow or another shadow and it was actually her shadow that she was seeing and it looked like somebody ran by. So I gave her that explanation. She was like, no, it was a man. No, it was a man. And, and eventually, and she had a hard time sleeping for a while after that because she thought that somebody was there. Um, How old was she then? She was like four. Okay. Um, and eventually she kind of didn't remember so much. And, and I, I don't know if she just dealt with it or if she had started to make sense that maybe I had, maybe that could have been what she saw. Um, but I know that when I was offering that explanation right away, she was like hell bent that that was not what she saw. Like she saw a man. Um, and then there was another time when, she was not feeling well and my husband was out of town and she came in the night and slept in the bed with me. And, um, she was convinced that there was a stormtrooper or a clone trooper, you know, one of the star Wars, like the, the white suit guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had been, it had gone in the bathroom and then it had been staring at her like all night, um, at, in the room. And she was like, I didn't wake you up because I didn't, you know, she, I hardly ever let her sleep in the bed with me anyway. So it was like one of those, like, I better not <laughs> do anything to wake her up or I'm out of here. But funnily enough, like she was really scared and, you know, told me about it when she woke up, when I woke up. And then she never wanted to sleep in my room again after that. But we had one of those like clothing racks, um, where she said she saw the stormtrooper, clone trooper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had all these scarves like just thrown on top of it instead of like folded nicely. They were just sort of thrown on it. And of course it's dark. So there were, it was just like a shadowy thing. So I, when she told me that, I was like, Layla, I think it's just the way these clothes look bunched up. And I folded them. I was like, now look, like, you know, but by that time the lighting was all different. And she was like, oh, maybe, maybe that was it, you know? So it's one of those things, like, I don't know if she was trying to appease me um, or if she really was like, oh, maybe that, maybe I was wrong. I don't, I don't know. Cause you know how kids, it's like, if, if the grown up doesn't get it, you're only going to get so far. So it's hard for me to know, like, was she just telling me what she thought I wanted to hear or did it actually make sense? And she was confused. Like, I don't have... I don't know if it's a ghost story or not, but I know that it really freaked her out. Both of those things really freaked her out. Yeah. Um, 
uh, especially in a place that's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old, who knows what kind of, right you know, history is in, in the walls, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so Layla was about the same age that I was when I was having this thing too. And I, you know, I wonder, I, this is a little bit, this is just conjecture on my part, but that, um, and these tends to happen at night, mm-hmm. you know? And so, uh, but I think that there may be something in terms of like a brain chemistry that happens in, in terms of whatever melatonin and serotonin right. levels and stuff that in that as the, the, the mind or brain or whatever is kind of going into its sleep time state, uh-huh. um, that are part of the uh, um, uh, part of the biochemical process that happens when we sleep and dream um, that opens something opens up. up the the ability to perceive parallel dimensions as this overlay or something yeah. or adjacent dimensions or you know the the stuff that's here but it's not usually, usually visible. visible. Yeah. And so it, because, I mean, how, how many ghosts, well, aside from my footprint thing, which happened, mm-hmm. that was midday, but of course. Who knows when it when happened. It happened um, I didn't, you know, but, uh, but most of the scary mm-hmm. ghost story stuff all happens at, at night. night. Yeah. I mean. True. And Layla in particular, and not my son, had night terrors for about two years or so um, from the time it's, they started when she was about two or maybe a little bit younger than that. And they, they, she still had a few when we were in Italy and we, she was four when we moved there. So in a night terror being like when you wake up, well, she would just wake up screaming in, in the middle of the night, never happened during naps that I remember during the day. But she would be screaming bloody murder, and there was nothing you could do. I couldn't get her to wake up all the way. I would hold her, and she would be thrashing around. She didn't want to be held, so I'd put her down, and then that would set her off even more. It was like everything I tried would escalate it, and I'd call, talk calmly to her. And I mean, it, she was not there. She was experiencing something else. Um, and that's just a phenomenon that happens sometimes with some children. Um, but who knows? I mean, she was, too, she, she was too young to know. And every time that I would talk to her about it the next morning, and it would take a long time to get her to go back to sleep when those things would start up. And you could tell right away the difference between, like, she's just upset over something, she's not feeling well, or she's having a nightmare versus, oh, she's having a night terror, she's gone. And, and something, I, I don't even know how to explain it. But um, so it's interesting. Those episodes that I shared were not night terrors, but she also had a period of her life where she was susceptible to that. So it begs the question, like, what was going on? Like, what was she perceiving? Because she couldn't remember them with the next morning. I never, she could never tell me what, what she was experiencing because she didn't have any memory of it but it's interesting but she did know that she did remember the stormtrooper oh yeah so the two that i shared initially yeah. she remembered right fully. so those were waking experiences yes. and the others the night terror stuff mm-hmm. yeah interesting 
Yeah. Now, with the, it, you know, the, the funny thing about the Stormtrooper is if you look at the Stormtrooper helmets, whatever, and it's got the big kind of dark, yeah. dark eyes. And there's a number of uh, ET. ETs, extraterrestrials, aliens, yeah. aliens, right? They have those big, dark, right. almond eyes. And so it would be very, mm, uh, let's say, logical or rational or whatever if you, you know, if she'd seen Star Wars to be like, oh, it's a... Right. It's a stormtrooper. the only reference friends, she has. That's the only reference that yeah. she has. So she sees something with those big eyes and be like, oh, it looks like a right. stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. So... Uh, and then again with the, the man running and is like, okay, well, you know, those both of those incidences seem to point to me is that she was actually seeing, you know, some extra dimensional right. activity. Yeah. I also, with Layla in particular, I have videos, I'll try to find them and share them with you, of orbs. I, where I was videoing her, like singing in Italian, for instance, right before Carnivale, in our apartment, and there were orbs around her. And I I could see them as I was filming on my phone. I could see them. So I looked with my eyes at her, and I couldn't see, like, any dust. Or, you know, like, nothing was catching the light that I could see with my naked eye. Mm-hmm. But I could see them on the video. And another time at Christmas, oh, my gosh, so many. And the cleaner had just been there so I was like well I wouldn't have thought it's that dusty in here like I remember trying to think about like are these orbs because I've always been fascinated by this stuff so I'm like ooh, orbs and then I'm like no maybe it's dust but I don't know I don't know but we yeah caught a lot of that it's weird how um how the camera can see some things that the eye cannot uh-huh. And then the eyes can see some things that the camera cannot. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, fascinating. It is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. And for the, for the let's just keep speculating on what's, what is happening around what's here. What's going on? That's right. I love yes. to explore and brainstorm and see what it might all mean. So thank you, Michael. Thank you, Karen. Okay, so for our next spooky story, our next ghost story is coming to us from Lily Kessler, my friend and uh, one of my early featured guests. You were on the meditation conversation probably about two years ago now. Um, yeah, so beautiful soul and full of wisdom and insight and really um, Lily's knowledge of, of the yoga teachings, the yogic teachings is vast and deep. Um, and you have a new book out right now as well. Do you want to quickly tell us about that before we start? Yes, um, it is uh, still an adventure that is up in the air right now. It is called The Art of Living Yoga, and it is a textbook. And I am working with a uh, publisher right now who is 
interested in breaking it into three different books because right now it's about 600 pages um, long. And so she's trying to help me get it to be more digestible and um, accessible to people uh, through Amazon and beyond. Uh, So stay tuned at the beginning of the year. I should have a very firm picture of what all of that is like. So this is a whole new wild, wild and wide world of, um, yeah. Publishing. Putting my book out there. Right. Yes. Yes. Your labor of love for sure. Yeah. Beautiful. So next time we, we, uh, chat on this forum, I would love to tell you how all of that has unfolded and what gifts has arisen in that. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. Okay. Well, let's, let's hear your ghost story. Okay. So this is a compilation of lots of different events that have happened. And I know that this has been an absolute key foundation in me exploring the work that I am involved in now. And so at the time it was really, um, you know, there was, it was quite depressing. It was very dark. It was very scary. I didn't have any um, understanding of support groups or anything like this. Um, and, and so I experienced this with my family in very much alone, feeling very isolated, feeling very weird, feeling very, am I losing my mind? Mm-hmm. Um, but now with the heart, like a larger perspective, I am seeing that it was the greatest gift of my life because it um, opened the door to the mysteries of the universe and having um, done, um, you know, just uh, deep, I don't know, not ex- yeah, deep exploration, but nothing on like a, you know, professional level or anything like that. But now that we have different technologies in our world and we can hear each other's stories, I recognize that this is absolutely in line with so many other people's experiences. And so in a way I get to heal my child's heart of what I <laughs> went through. Oh, wow. So let me share what happened in our house uh, when I was growing up. And this takes place in Federal Way, Washington, in um, you know the early 90s and beyond. Uh, my family had the house up until like 10 years ago when my mother finally was able to sell it and move on. Um, so many times when I hear stories, I just think like, why don't you just move out of the house? But there's so many other fin- you know, like financial players involved when that cannot be possible for a lot of people. Yeah. So this began when I was uh, 14 years old as I I have now learned is very common when spirits and other entities begin to make themselves apparent in people's lives, like preteens and teenagers. And so this all began with like a very oppressive depression. As a child, I would wake up feeling light and airy and normal in the morning. And almost immediately, I would feel like a physical weight descend upon me. There was no violence in my home or anything like that, but um, and but at the same time of like this physical weight, this great depression, I was opening myself up to what is spirituality, what is God in the limited ways that were uh, was available in this town that I was growing up in. Um, and around this time, this is also like where supernatural occurrences began, and I. Uh, now know that they were beginning um, with all of the members of my family. 
but we did not have the dialogue or the openness to share. So we all were kind of suffering in our own silence together. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. And so it began, uh, the first occurrence that I had was, it was a typical evening. I just turned off my light to go to bed and I heard a man scream no. It was this prolonged, like um, uh, in pain, violent, like no type of, you know, and it, it was, it lasted so long. I remember thinking, I'm not, you know, it was not a figment of my imagination. I was conscious of the experience while it was happening. And it was the first time that I remember ever passing out from pure fear. And it, I, I uh, was, I took a little bit of time, did my heart was pounding. Um, I flipped on my light and I just rushed downstairs and I was afraid to go upstairs later the next day to change and a whole bunch of things. So I stayed in my mother's room for, for days afterwards. And around that time just occurred the, you know, the, my brother's wrath of just making fun of me mm-hmm. um, until um, something very similar occurred to him soon after really? he heard mm-hmm, in his room. He also heard the sound of a man, but it, it did not scream. No, it was the sound of like um, someone choking and there were the sound of struggle in oh, his gosh. room. And so he scrambled downstairs and waited in the middle of the street until someone came home to feel comfortable coming back into oh. the house again. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then from then we started to, to gently uh, talk about ghosts or, oh, that was interesting. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe that's one and done. We've had our experience and moving on. Um, but, uh, so, but, but my mom then said that she was, uh, she would often be woken up in the middle of the night by a little girl touching her saying, wake up, wake up. And, um, um, and another time my mother said that she opened my bedroom door while I was in my bedroom on just a random evening. And what I didn't know until years later was that she had a loaded gun behind her back because when she was downstairs, she thought she heard me, what she says being violently raped. And I was a quiet kid. We didn't have TVs in in any, we had one TV in our home, which was downstairs. We, uh, there was, we didn't have a computer. We had like one of those old fashioned computers downstairs as well. So there would be no um, reason for these sounds to be occurring. Um, So how horrific for her to hear this. So clearly there was, who knows what it was. Maybe this was like residual energetic effects that were still coming to the surface in the home. Um, but also in my, in my bedroom area where a lot of the activity happened or a lot of activity was being heard, um, I saw smoke begin to pour out of my heater vent. And I had this very, very odd sense of calm come over me. And I went to the heater vent and I put my hands over the vent. And I just remember invoking all of my senses again, because like these other um, happenings definitely made me question my sanity and such. But I remember seeing very clearly, I see smoke running through my fingers. I'm smelling it. It's not smelling like anything. I see it filling 
my bedroom where I cannot see the top of my um, armoire anymore. And then just like that, it disappeared. And I still had a sense of odd calm over me. Um, one evening when my uh, our friends were over, we had shared friends that lived in the neighborhood. And uh, we also lived behind a high school where there was like the high school um, um, like football field and like the big parking lot. And so we really uh, understood what it sounded like when there was big games and, you know, yeah. you would hear the gravel in the parking lot, and the, you know, all the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? You can't mistake that. Yeah. And we were sitting um, at the at our kitchen table and just kind of hearing that, you know, in, it, you know, the sounds in the background and then recognizing it's completely pitch black out there. There's not a game going on, but we still hear crowds. We still um, hear like the cars um, on the gravel. And I have also is all of these experiences from hearing these ghost like games to smoke to, you know, these odd sounds. All of this other people have experienced almost in a common way when they share their own ghosty experiences. Um, and yeah. that, that one that you're talking about with the game where you could hear like a, a game that wasn't happening, you, you had friends over, like everybody was experiencing that. Yes, everybody was experiencing that. And there were also kids in our neighborhood. And one gal who lived at a house over from us had very odd experiences happen in her house. And what was odd was Ted Bundy, you know, the serial killer, grew up in that house as well. No kidding. Yeah, very odd. And she would hear herself sounds of women crying outside of her bedroom window, even though he was not in involved in those, you know, I don't believe he was a murderer at that point. Right. But who knows what uh, what happened? But you know, um, and I'm sorry, I'm just talking so nervous in, in this. I'll you know, I, I haven't expressed these things. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, but you know, we had our our dog disappeared out of our locked yard, and he was never seen again, which was also very odd. We heard um, uh, what was somewhere like the culmination uh, of a really evil experience was. Um, we started to start. We started to hear whistles and sounds like blowing whistles all over the house in different points. It was like a, kind of a mocking type of energy, and so there was one. Um, uh, uh, it was the time around Christmas, and I was alone in the house, and this is when the house came alive. Um, there was running along the hallways. There was pounding from upstairs. There was whistling. All of this was happening at the same time. I mean. The house might as well have been shaking, for goodness sake. Wow. Um, it was just the atmosphere, just be, it dropped, it became dreadful. And um, I remember I just was curled up near the Christmas tree. And then now what I know very strongly is my intuition is like, get out of the house now. Oh, and I, I got out of the house. Body chills. Oh, wow. mm. Yeah, and this was a powerful evening because... I ran to my friend's house that I mentioned, who just was a house over. And her family was um, a very religious Baptist family. And I was sobbing and crying and all of these odd things that I'm sharing with you today were just pouring out of me. And they immediately took me to their church. And that was when, um, you know, we, we met with the minister. We, we said, you know, the Christian prayer and Jesus come into my heart. And, um, and, you know, to be honest with you, 
I don't consider myself Christian any longer. I feel mm-hmm. like my own experiences have embraced that and others along my journey. But that was a lifesaver for me. My depression lifted soon after that. Um, and even though my house was damn scary, yeah. <laughs> I felt, yeah, I felt I had a shield of sorts. I had mm-hmm. a, a sort of lifeline that was larger than myself and that offered hope. Um, which eventually, as we just mentioned, was uh, my doorway to exploring other religions and developing my own spirituality. Um, but even after we um, grew up and moved out of the house, whenever we came to stay, we um, at that point, it was very common. I mean, we always went to the bathroom in pairs. Um, it was very odd to hold space for another person with time and such, even in our busy schedules, to be like, I got to take a shower. Okay, I'm just going to go in there with you. It was, you could not be alone, especially in different parts of the house. Um, and um, like the hallway, if you if you were by yourself, even like my mom and my brother, you know, who's like this tall, wonderful man, we would just have to run up and down that hallway. It would just felt like, get out of this particular place. And um, years later when I was married and right before she sold the house, it was very, I I remember two nights that we stayed there. And even after we left, not knowing she was going to sell the house at that time, um, we were like, we will never stay here again because we had to wear our winter coats to go to bed. The house would at that point never, ever get warm. Um, It was just uh, all of, it just was, now I recognize it. I'm saying it as a gift, but even today I still have odd dreams about it. That house still comes to the, to my mind. Really? How did your mom live there by herself for so long? You know, I think uh, you know she had uh, she had uh, two different boyfriends over the matter of 15 years that okay. that that lived with her. So I felt that was um, comforting for her. Um, there was. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she did it. Yeah. But, you know, often, uh, but she didn't have any other choice. Yeah. But I'm still curious, uh, whoever has that house now, I really wonder what happened because it just was like almost a matter of, uh, you know, survival. The next thing, financial matters, sell the house, get out of Dodge, you know, but um, uh, twice since then, uh, when I've come back into town, uh, and if we're staying an aunt or something nearby, just as a little, like, um, I don't know, our own little spooky stuff, we drive near the house and be like, whoo, remember when? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. That's remarkable. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I mean, I love how you've been able to use that as a catalyst to, like, one, just the exploration of like, well, there's obviously there's something more going on than like the, the physical world. And so it, I mean, it's beautiful that you've been able to find gratitude in this. And it reminds me too of um, something that Michael Massey has, has said uh, in a recent podcast, which is that anything can be our teacher, you know? And Mm -hmm. if we allow it to, and so even adversity and even like what seems like, you know, quite negative 
entities. I mean, that's what it, it sounds like. These don't sound like benevolent beings. It sounds like quite antagonistic and low um, vibrational entities. But the fact that you've you know been able to ultimately use it as a pathway and a doorway to greater um, growth within yourself. And at the time, you know, that what you talk about so beautifully of the, um, that, that shield that you felt from Jesus and, um, that then expanded from there, um, is really, really powerful and beautiful. Thank you. Thank you you so much. And, you know, it really has just been, um, again, a wonderful doorway when other experiences have happened to me where I have seen in physical form ghosts or I have experienced angels or I have experienced that what could have been or what could be very much like a galactic being experience. It um, I'm more rooted in myself now because of that. Mm. And just welcome now the mysteries of life. Yeah. So thank you so much for oh. this wonderful um, letting letting me and others share their experiences in this delightful spooky season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a great job because I felt the chills multiple times. So thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kara. Um, thank you. I'm so grateful for all of your work and, of course, our friendship and the journeys we've had together. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Lily. Okay, and now we have the big treat of having one of my favorite people's moms on, Sally Mayhill. And one of my favorite people, but I don't get to spend a lot of time with you, Sally. But your daughter, Emily, is one of my best friends. And um, we were roommates in college and um, have Emily's helped me so much with in many ways. She's a graphic designer and uh, just a, a beautiful being. So This whole podcast episode was actually Emily's idea because she's so inspired by her mom's ghost story. She loves the story so much. And so she had suggested that we do a a ghost story podcast for Halloween time, which I thought was an amazing idea. So, So welcome, Sally. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. Nice to be here. So let's just dive in. Do you mind sharing with us this story? Uh, No, not at all, because it's just something that happened to me and might happen to no one else, but it was my experience. And we, when I was a kid, we, I was about four years old, we went to Gettysburg and you were about it was four, very, did you say? No, 14. Oh, 14. Okay. And and I, I remember walking the battleground feeling uh, not alone. I felt like I felt the spirit of, of the uh, boys who had died there. And I remember walking around very 
foolishly, I mean, I'm sure this sounds so weird. I just hummed the battle hymn of the Republic and thought of these boys and cried. I remember feeling so profound. So 50 years later, my husband and I traveled to Gettysburg again. Uh, we're both history buffs and interested in the Civil War. And um, um, we, we decided to do all the tours. We did the drive tour and the bus tour. And uh, uh, we were in a storefront and they were selling tickets to a ghost tour. And we decided to go ahead and drop the $80 it took to meet that night in the dark. And that's what we did. And so if you can envision the backside of just about any old town Main Street, um, it was basically a parking lot with dumpsters. It started at 10.30 p.m., which is when I am usually thinking about going to bed. Right. <laughs> so here we are standing park with a bunch of people that are at least 20 or 30 years younger than we are. And I'm yawning. And a woman comes out with a satchel and holding up items and announcing their use. And, uh, you know, one registered the temperature of the room and the next one picked up sounds that you couldn't hear, that a human couldn't hear. They all had buttons and dials. And she was handing them out like candy to all these excited, what I would call kids. And um, I looked at John and said, what are we doing here? <laughs> I'm tired. I want to go to bed. So it didn't take uh, long. And she announced that we needed to go and um, follow their car to a building that they owned. And the building had formerly been I think, the largest hospital, field hospital, on the grounds of the Gettysburg Battlefield. Oh, wow. So we did, and I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes. And we walk in, and it looked like, apparently, it had been lived in up to the 70s. So it looked like an abandoned 1970s house. You walk into the kitchen, totally empty, walked into the living room. I'm watching all these kids holding up meters and stuff like this. And the tour guide walks in and she said, you know, for anybody who's not interested in the technical gadgets, here's something more fundamental. And she holds up a pair of dowsing rods. And for some reason, I looked at those and went, yep. And I said, I'll, I'll take those. I'd never had a pair in my hand. Uh, and she handed me these rods. And for anybody who doesn't know what they look like, they're about an eighth of an inch thick, round copper rod, about 12 inches long, takes a right hand, you know, 90 degree turn into these cups. And you hold the cups and it moves very freely in those cups. You can squeeze those cups until you're blue in the face and those rods can move absolutely freely. So she hands those to me and John just wants to watch. And I started talking, is there a spirit here? Nothing happens. And he said, well, how do you know if there is? How do you know if they say anything to you? And I said, oh, okay, right. Okay, spirit, if you're really wide out, that's a no. And if you cross, that's a yes. 
So like I was laying out the groundwork yeah. <laughs> and he said, I had no idea what I was doing. And I said, is there, is there a spirit here? And the thing immediately crosses. Ooh. Yeah, and John chance. looked at me and I looked at him. He said, what did you do? And I said, I don't think I did anything. So I started asking more questions and two people who were annoyed by our noise because they were trying to, I don't know, work a meter or something, left. And he said, everybody's upstairs. Let's go see what's happening up there. So we walk up and I sit in a, I sit on the floor in the dark corner because it's dark. There are no lights in there. Mm -hmm. John sat next to me. I sat with my knees up in the air, planted my hands on my knees so that I wouldn't move them because obviously if you tilt your hands forward, it's going to fall forward, right or left, like that. And I wasn't interested in seeing if I could manipulate them. I was interested to see if there was a spirit. So I'm holding them stiff, like, yeah. and I start in And I said, is there a spirit here? And it wavered a little, and it crossed. I said, okay. Were you a soldier? It went wide again. I said, were you a soldier? And it crossed. I said, all right. I mean, I'm going, um, um, um. And I started asking several questions like, did you pass on this battlefield? Yes. Were you um, under 20 years of age? It didn't cross. I said, were you under 25 years of age? It crossed. I'll bet you were handsome. And I say this because I got into this and I started feeling a connection with this boy. I really did. And I said, I bet you were handsome. In fact, I wish I'd asked if he was blonde because right there I thought he's blonde. Really? And I never did. But he, so he, it crossed, it crossed. And I said, I bet you were handsome. And this was enormous because it immediately crossed and then it backed off and went wide and came all the way around and touched each one of my forearms. And that's when I realized I looked, everybody started to make noise and go, Oh my gosh, you're getting a hug. He's hugging you. And that's when I realized everything had been quiet and they were watching me. Oh, Oh, which was worse. You know, I didn't need that. Yeah. But I asked more questions. I asked, he was married. He was married. And I said, was she beautiful? Yes. And, and, once again, came around and hugged me. Oh my gosh, I um, have chills all was, over. That's amazing. I, well, well, so, so, um, in you know, I just it was very profound for me. And I asked a few more questions. Oh, I said, were you shot? Yes. Were you hit in the leg? Didn't move. Were you hit in your body and your torso? Didn't move. I said, were you shot in the arm? It very slowly crossed. And I said, is that what caused you to pass? And it opened again. It crossed again. And I said, where were you? And I asked in the basement. Rods didn't move. On the main floor, didn't move. Up here in the attic, didn't move. I said, and this is when the tour guide interrupted and said, 
most of the men were outside. They had poles up with canvas coverings. And I said, were you outside? And it crossed. And I said, will you? And it opened again. I said, will you point to where you were? And with this, the rods came together and the tips, like a V, and pointed. And it was, the house was shaped like an L. And quite obviously, the courtyard was right there, right there in that L. And that's exactly where it pointed to. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I, I wish I'd asked other things because there's so many things I'd want to know, like, are you here? Are you stuck here? I didn't. I didn't ask those questions. Um, I don't remember driving home, driving back to our hotel. I don't remember anything. It shook me. It, it's like I've known all my life. There are spirits. I believed all my life. Now I knew that 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 I knew. And so it really was kind of a religious experience for me. And then, of course, my birthday came and your best friend Emily and my husband both got me dowsing rods oh, and right. I, I didn't want to use them I I felt like this isn't a parlor trick yeah and I felt very like Sacred. I didn't want to yes I, I didn't want to damage that experience I didn't want to cheapen it yeah. but it was used as a parlor trick in at Thanksgiving my sister's, um, my sister's uh, uh, granddaughter, who is a brilliant girl. She's like you, Kara. Brainiac. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and, she, and she, I mean, she had scholarships to everywhere um, and thought this whole thing was a bunch of hokum. And they put the rods in her hands. She started asking questions and it started answering. And I mean, she practically dropped them and ran out of the house. It was, <laughs> and then my grandson took it and he said, are there any spirits here? And it crossed. And he, we went through every person in the family that had passed, nobody, the builder of the home, nobody. I said, Gavin, ask if it's an animal. He did. It crossed. I said, yeah, it's Maggie, our beloved. Oh, Maggie. Oh, yes, our yes. beloved Springer. It crossed immediately. Oh, my gosh. So the parlor trick, um, you know, <laughs> oh. actually happened. So, but that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. They're in my, they're in a drawer and I don't like to take them out for any reason, really. You know, I really share that sentiment because I just hosted a retreat in September and we got dousing rods because there was a vortex on the site where we were and uh -huh. we wanted to have a way to sort of measure it if you couldn't feel it. And, um, and when I was at home, like when they arrived, because I just got them off of Amazon or something and um, I was playing with them, you know, just to get a hang of it. Cause I, I didn't have experience really with them. My dog went nuts. My dog was like, really? Yes. She was, um, she was watching me, but from the very beginning, she would just barked and barked and barked. And, uh, and I'd like move to a different room and she was just, anytime she caught sight, um, they, cause you were raising spirits. I guess. I don't know. And it was funny, too, because like 
I, I don't really know exactly how the dowsing rods work, but my friend Michael came over who I was hosting the retreat with and um, he started using them. And I said something about Josie, my dog, was barking like crazy when I was playing with them. And he looked at her and the dowsing rods both pointed over at where she was. And he didn't even see them do that, but I was saying the dowsing rods know where she is. Oh my gosh. Do you like my 10 cent theory? Yes. Okay. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, who I'm sure you know, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about how our brains are like an electrical board. At least this is how I perceived him, his explanation, Mm -hmm. An, an electrical board. And you send a thought into it or spirit sends a thought into it and it goes immediately all over the place. It starts going, well, that can't happen because I can't, or that'll happen. And if I did this, this, and this, and all of a sudden spirit's thought has been mangled by our brain. Spirit would like to contact us, but they would like to bypass our brain, hence meditation. Mm -hmm. And I think that dowsing rods are a way that the spirit can speak to us with, by and bypass our brain. I love that. Yeah, using like an electromagnetic field. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, that they are thrilled to bypass this human ugh, mangle machine that takes every good message that we get from spirit and turns it into an exercise in futility. You know, yes. we, 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 we have to digest it. And we have to think about it. And we have to put all the negatives on the table and the positives on the table. And spirit just wants to say, no, no, it's this. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. Well, for what it's worth. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think you're, you're pretty spot on. Yeah. I mean, and like you say, that's, that's the whole thing with meditation and when we can get into, I mean, there are other things besides meditation that help us to bypass, but it's, it's really trying to bypass this brain that we, you know, value so much that, that has its use, but you know, it also it's limitations. (laughs) It, it, yes. Also it's limitations. Yeah. Like everything else. Right. Yes. Right. The upside and the downside. Right. Well, thank you so much, Sally. That is a fascinating story. I can't believe you got two hugs from a ghost. That's amazing. It it really felt amazing. Yeah. And you could tell it's so transformative. Like it was very profound and it and, was, you know, I can't it, imagine a better use of that ghost's energy than, to, you know, to have had such a, a meaningful exchange with somebody to help pierce the veil and right. give that kind of confirmation. It's really beautiful. Well, I was blessed. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Okay, well, that was awesome. Thank you, everybody, for 
your contributions for all my guests, Jesse and Michael, Lily and Sally. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe. You can rate and review and share. Share this episode and let somebody else have a really spooky Halloween. Don't don't hoard all the spookiness. You have to share it. You have to share it. That's your job. So thank you so much. And uh, again, have a very happy Halloween. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.